All right, guys, let's do it. Let's talk about sex, good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Of course you do. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in a pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code MLB to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. You are Locked on Rays. Your daily Tampa Bay Rays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, my name is Kevin Weiss. I'm Ulysses Sembrano, host of Locked On Rays on the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. You can find Locked On Rays on Himalaya, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Rays. Well, Ulysses, I'll tell you, it really would have been good to have a uh, a closed facility, indoor dome type of situation for the Astros Yankees. Game four, you would think that a franchise with billions of dollars and that can spend $200, $250 million on payroll would address that concern. 27 rinks. 27 rinks. Yes. That's it. Nothing else. That's that's all it's about. So, uh, and and that is enough of the Astros Yankees. Yeah, that's that's about it. We'll go ahead and shift on to the Rays. And um, as we'll be doing over the course of this week and uh, throughout next week, our end of season superlatives. And today we wanted to focus on our best, most positive surprise from the 2019 season. And we put a poll out on Twitter. uh, What was the biggest positive surprise for the Rays in the 2019 season? Uh, and we we put down four choices: Yandi Diaz, Nick Anderson, Emilio Pagan, and Travis Darno. Uh, Yandi got 13% of the vote. Nick Anderson 27% of the vote. Emilio Pagan 6% of the vote. And Travis Darno 54% of the vote, getting the majority. And we also got some comments uh, from Samuel Bayless. He just says the entire bullpen. The entire bullpen <laughs> was the best, most positive surprise. Uh, Aaron K. Patel says Willie Adamas, and then Lynn said a close second. He, he made his vote, but he said a close second would be the vast improvement that Willie Adamas made. So a lot of different choices. I mean, with this Rays team, I mentioned it to you yesterday that it could almost have been a situation where 
It's select all, copy, and paste, and that's your, your best surprises of the season. We could, yeah, I mean, we, we could do this poll every day with four different new players. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how young the Rays are and, and how, you know, people don't really know them. Um, I think all of those options were good candidates, but for me, that answer has to be Nick Anderson. Okay. Uh, I mean, l- let's talk about numbers for a little bit. In 21 and a third innings that he played with the Rays, he allowed 12 hits, two walks, and he struck out 41 batters in 21 and a third. Okay. He kept runners off base. Look at his whip. 0.66. So there was no traffic on the bases when he was on. But let's talk about his ERA+. Plus. For those that don't know, this is a metric adjusted to each player's ballparks. And so it neutralizes the differences. 100 is average. Mm-hmm. He had an ERA plus of 214. <laughs> I, I mean, 214% better than average. Uh, this was a fantastic trade deadline acquisition. And it only cost the Rays an outfield prospect who hadn't been hitting lately in AAA. And for Ryan Stanek. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Ryan Stanek, who although was great in the opening role, he never really succeeded in the late innings. And Nick Anderson definitely did. Yes, and he is a very good choice, especially with his story and background of what happened with him in college and battling alcohol addiction and and anger management and everything, and and to come on the scene as a 29-year-old rookie. Now, uh, he is a a great surprise, uh, but I thought that with the Rays making that trade with the Marlins. And when he was with the Marlins, nobody knew about it. He was basically the the best reliever that nobody knew about. But when he came to the Rays, he was even far in a way even greater than what we could have expected. Of course, the Rays did give up Brian Stanek. And um, I guess Jesus Sanchez was one of their top five, top ten prospects, although he does have his own flaws in his own right. So for me – Nick Anderson is really a close second. Okay. First, I've got another reliever, and that is Emilio Pagan. Oh, wow. Okay. You went with the uh, underdog in the poll. Okay. Yes. yes. Uh, Pagan only getting 6% of the vote. And that's because just at the start of the season, before the season, he was, he was the last cut in spring training. Right. Last year with the athletics, he had a 4.5 ERA. He, he basically cut his ERA – in half this year and in coming into the season we didn't know if he'd even be on the roster or how impactful he would be yeah who coming into the season who who did we think would be the closer it, it would either be what jose alvarado diego castillo, castillo right? yeah who knows maybe they move ryan stanick to the back end of the bullpen i mean right on that list where would you have had emilio pagan maybe 10th 11th yeah (laughs) i mean he was he was not really the guy that anybody expected and you get that a lot with relievers from one year to the next and i mean for example this year who would have thought alvarado would just have a complete meltdown and and some of that was his family issues in venezuela some of that was himself not taking care of business i mean he he wasn't in shape and wasn't therefore he just wasn't ready to play uh but emilio pagan as as uh, taxing at times as he was in the, the Houston Astros series for the majority of the season he was pretty much as reliable as they come if you look at the ERA if you look at the whip if you look at all the numbers and and thrown into that de facto closer role of course one thing he has to work on is is 
the long ball. long ball. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's got that that home run rate. Um, and and saying all that, I do believe next year he won't be the closer. I believe it will be Nick Anderson. In I fact, th- yeah, I think you know they might switch roles, but you know these two guys that we've picked have uh, a lot of a, a lot of stuff in common. But look at this, you know they're they're very controllable arms mm-hmm. and, and for for the race, and that's how they like it. You know, I think. Uh, Nick Anderson actually made $555,000 this year, which is his first year in the big leagues. That's ten grand over minimum salary. That's exactly what the race yes. likes. You know, control our arms at a reasonable price. So I know that we've talked about inconsistent, uh, the inconsistency that can be attached to bullpen arms, but, uh, you know, the stuff is there. The, yes. Both of them. Both of yes. them. And, but Nick and Bo- Anderson with that curveball and that fastball, wow. It's it's really impressive stuff. Well, there's a reason why Nick Anderson has, what, a 54% strikeout rate or something right, like something that? something ridiculous. Unbelievable. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, as far as you want to look up definition of unhittable in the book, Nick Anderson is pretty much it. And, and the yeah. way they work their fastballs at the top of the zone. And we saw Emilio Pagan when moments were tough, especially – uh, or not necessarily tough, but just on the big stage, like in the A- Oakland Athletics wildcard game, he was getting up to 99 there. I mean, yeah. he, he was hyped up. And then, of course, he's got the slider and curveball after that. But it's going to be really interesting to see how the bullpen shakes up next season with all that in mind. But I had to go with Emilio Pagan. And, and every year there's going to be, it seems like, a new reliever that that comes on yes. comes on the property and, and shows out. And who knows, next year, Emilio Pagan, might not he might be average below average or not very good that that's the volatility you get with the bullpen but just seeing what happened from just an overlooked or underlooked guy at the beginning of the season or right before spring training ended to see that he was put in when you the become the closer of roles. You, be, yes. you become the closer and you didn't make the team out of spring training that's a 180 and uh, a really good pick. Uh, again, those four candidates. And Travis Darno. I mean, the race paid $100,000 yes. for him. I, I will say with Travis Darno, um, the Mets just didn't give him much of a chance. After 25 plate appearances, they're like, all right, they shipped him all. But Travis Darno did have a history of success as far as uh, a hittable catcher. I mean, he had yeah. probably three solid seasons. I mean, 2017, he had a really solid offensive year and then was injured in 2018. Um, Yandy D, go ahead. Devil's advocate, you know, I think Mets fan and maybe uh, Mets fans and maybe the management as well. Although he had done a couple good seasons as a hitting catcher, mm-hmm. I think they were expecting more of him. Right. Uh, so maybe maybe that that was the whole knock on him. Maybe just like the race with Chris Archer. I mean, I mean, I think fans always expected a little bit more from Chris Archer than maybe he's able to to do. Um, but. I mean, for a hundred thousand yeah, dollars, I'll take it. That's awesome. That's yeah. amazing what they did. And Yandy Diaz, like you were saying as well. Yeah, Yandy Diaz. Um, I mean, we were talking about it before the season started. That this is just a muscle bound dude that hits the ball hard. At some point, he's going to hit home runs. And there was all the the scuttlebutt about um, launch angle and right. everything like that. And Chad Matola, the hitting coach, really said it was more about timing and getting in front of the ball and having your bat in the swing path longer instead of waiting on the pitch to come to you, getting out, hitting it to the left side of the field and being able to unleash your power and uh, and go from there. And we saw what happened where uh, with Cleveland, what he was he was one home run Johnny 
where yeah. <laughs> with, with, with the Rays, he had 14 in, in 79 games, not to mention what he did in the wild card. So that right. was a so, great surprise. Oh, so 16, that's, a, that's an amazing yes. season for somebody who had, I think, in 299 plate appearances, had just gotten one yeah. home run. But, but didn't we kind of know that coming into the season, okay, I think the Rays probably figured something out here knowing – Yes. This guy is is too good. There, there's something that they they see in this guy that they can get him to hit home runs. Well, I think we also talked about how the Rays maybe are focusing on high exit velocity guys. Mm-hmm. They did have, I think, three of the top 25 or 30 players in Yandy Diaz, Tommy Pham, and I think Mike Zunino was in that list. Yeah. Obviously, you know, okay, two out of three worked yes. out. We won't mention who didn't because everybody knows who didn't. But that's maybe something that they were focusing on. And, and and you know what? It doesn't matter if the guy doesn't hit home runs. If they're hits, they're hits. And if they're doubles, they're doubles. I mean, he can you can have gap to gap power, but he really unleashed the, the home run power this season. If you hit the ball hard, good things happen eventually. Yes. Of course, in Mike Zanino's catch, you got to be able to hit the ball first. That, that's the first... Uh, issue that you have there but no it's it's good to have guys that that have that ability and there's a lot of guys on this team for sure that can do that make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the vivid seats app help you get to your favorite live event enter promo code postseason at checkout to receive a discount of up to 100 dollars will a raise fan favorite be an integral part of the team next season we'll discuss next We all love a night out, whether it's seeing our favorite band in person or being there in the crowd to cheer on our favorite team. With the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program, you can attend the concert or show of your choice and earn credit towards your next live event. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice, all in the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back. Vivid Seats Rewards. For the month of September, earn double credit back from 10 to 16% on all your purchases through the Vivid Seats app. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program today. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you to get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code POSTSEASON at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Are you, Ulysses, yesterday we were talking about uh, fan favorites from the 2019 season. We each had our own choices. I think a lot of people, probably the majority out there, uh, or at least if, if you listen to fans at the Trop, would have gone with G-Man Choi. Right. And it is interesting to see what is going to happen with the first base position next year. And one of our listeners, Ethan Broom, pointed it out on Twitter. Um, he says, well, is it for sure that G-Man Choi is coming back next season? As much of a fan favorite he is, I think Nate Lowe and Jesus Aguilar are the future tandem at first base slash DH. My opinion, my first opinion coming off of this is G-Man Choi is a solid player. He really is a solid player. I know the defensive metrics don't like him, but what we saw towards the end of the season as far as being able to make diving plays to his right – 
and doing the splits to 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 receive a bad throw from the middle infielders and then what he did all season with with the bat i know he strikes out a lot there's a lot of guys that strike out a lot in today's day and age of of modern baseball but you're you're still talking about a guy that has an 822 ops 19 home runs and what 487 plate appearances a guy that walks and draws a lot of walks and brings a a dynamic to the clubhouse that the players love and of course the fans love but and for $150,000 all that for a 28 year old he's a pretty solid player i'm just saying well yeah i mean yeah the fielding you know baseball refs got him at negative 0.7 uh defensive war so he's the second worst uh, on the team but to the eye test, he looks awkward but good. Okay, like he can make yeah. the play, you know. Um, so I, I think, think he's every- some good good catches in foul territory too. And, and and I think people can attest to that. G-Man Choi's defense in October was way mm-hmm. better than G-Man's Cho- uh, G-Man Choi's defense on, in April. I think he got better throughout the year and of course he would uh, just like Willie Adams yes. you know, there, there was a progression there that you saw uh, you know right before your eyes uh, throughout the season the the salary he this is a problem I think because the people that he's competing against will make uh, way less than he does I mean um, Jesus Aguilar and Nate Lau and Nate Lowe rather Nate Lowe will get minimum wage, which is five hundred something, uh, fifty thousand, and Jesus Aguilar made six hundred fifty thousand, which is two hundred thousand dollars less than what G-Man received this year, according to Baseball Ref. So, what? How much of a of a salary increase will G-Man get? I don't know, but I would think after this season, it would be a good one. I mean, he'll probably touch million five. Maybe. Well, I, I I'm not sure about. Baseball ref. I, I just know what Mark Topkin put out. On okay, what did he say? Recent article. He said that G-Man Choi is going to be owed eight hundred fifty thousand dollars this upcoming season, and he's arbitration eligible in twenty twenty one. Whereas Jesus Aguilar, uh, I guess he's a little bit deeper into arbitration, and he's expected. Not saying this is going to happen, but he's expected to be owed two and a half million dollars. So it's flipped. Yes. Aguilar will be making more than Choi. Yes. And possibly huh. significantly more. Now, Nate Lowe is still going to be the minimum wage player. Uh, even See, but so, then you have two left-handed bats for that position. Yes. I will say if there's an odd man out, I would say it's Jesus Aguilar. There's a reason that Nate Lowe and Jesus Aguilar weren't even on the postseason roster. Hey, you know, we, we saw the race, uh, you know, DFA the best overall stat line in 2017 by Corey Dickerson. They DFA'd yeah. him. And we and also CJ saw we, – Exactly. We also saw them do that to the 30 home runs by C.J. Crone. But they actually did the last one because of Jimon Cho. I mean, you saw mm-hmm. how much the playing time decreased for C.J. Yes. Crone in order to put Jimon Cho in there. So I think the race do see something in Jimon Cho. I – and it's, not, and it's not just for me anyways. And again, everybody loves G-Man Choi. Right. He's a, he's never going to make five all-star appearances or anything like that. But right. he is a solid player for this team and fits what this team is trying to do. If there's an odd man out, as much as I like to see the, the hard-hit singles and, and some of the power and, and everything, I think Jesus Aguilar is the odd man out. You talk about defensively what the metrics say about 
uh, G-Man Choi, you wonder what it would be for Jesus Aguilar if he played an entire season. Right. Because right. not, he is not fleet of foot. He's not fleet of foot at very, all. Very quick twitch or anything like that. And you're talking about a guy that could be owed $2.5 million. I just look like you at the history. Corey Dickerson DFA'd, CJ Crone DFA'd. For a guy that was really a part-time or less than a part-time player, really, and, and you're talking, you talk about the the right-handed bat issue, and I think that can be solved easily. You just put Yandy Diaz at first, have Matt Duffy play third, or however you want to do it. Where Oof, your right-handed? I don't bat. like that. You don't? I mean, I mean, I like, I like, I'm okay with Yandy at first and, and getting and getting him as much possibility maybe DHing because you know he's not that right. You know, Defensive. Uh, I, I will uh, say, I think but Duffy, da- Duffy have, at third. Uh, do we not have anything here. better? I think huh? he'll have a bounce back here. Do we? Do does he have to do it in a Tampa Bay Rays uniform, or he can do it somewhere else? <laughs> <laughs> you want it in a Durham uniform? I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, okay, have Yandy at first and some other option at third. I okay. think that's. I think that's the move they would go to. Okay. I, okay. I do I'm think, okay with that. It's just. Duffy, man. Uh, man, Duffy, he had a tough, tough year. I will say that. He did, and it was injury-related, but yes. this is what we say every year except for 2018. I know. I know. And who knows? Maybe Matt Duffy could be a guy that gets let go because he's going to so. be making a couple million dollars as well. But if I had to guess on the surface as far as this question is concerned, yes. Um, and, and Duffy has you, – you talk about a guy that when he first came back to – as he got more playing time, he really started to get his defense to, together, making the routine play and uh, making sometimes the spectacular play as well. But uh, I think Jesus Aguilar is the odd man out. Nate Lowe, I don't even know if he is the guy for next season. I would agree that he is he is the future of the first base position for the Rays. So it's not Jake Bowers? No. <laughs> Who knows? They could bring him back. You never know. No, I'm. I'm just. I don't know. I'm. I'm not sold on on that because I think, on the contrary, I think he will be one guy that the race will get plenty of phone calls about. I think a lot of teams would love to have Jim Choi uh, on their team, especially right. with the splits that he has. And that's the race too. Yeah, yeah, and that's the race too. But I think they, you know, just like with Malik Smith, where they they really got you know the. Had a really good season from Malik, and then they turned it into something else w- mm-hmm. with that trade. I think th- the race could do the same thing with Jiman Cho is capitalize on on what he did in 2019, and then get get something. Because re- let's remember, Jiman Choi was a trade from last year. Even though he seems like he's been a fan favorite forever, last year for Brad Miller, who was struggling mightily. Right. So. I think the Rays just look at it as in like, okay, we gave up Brad Miller and we got G-Man Choi. That's a plus. Yes. But now let's turn G-Man Choi into something else that will even be better than G-Man Choi. So I think they'll get calls about him. Okay, so next year, and I, I'm sure we'll have this discussion throughout the offseason. Of course. Who's the starting first baseman? I think Nate Lowe. Okay. Nate Lowe. I would say he's got more potential and more talent and more power than G-Man Choi, but I still think he's not ready. Who knows? Maybe in off-season of work, we see something happens in spring training, and he is ready. But I still go back to he's got to be able to buy in. There's something about not wanting to disrupt that, taking out – hey, you just take took out 
the, the, a guy that's beloved and a guy that's productive, that's a guy true. that helps the team. And you put Nate Lowe, who's had a history of not necessarily having Being a team all that player. Time. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. I'm not saying he's selfish or anything. He's just a young player that's trying to, that wanted to play in the big leagues. Yeah. And, and he has done well. Yeah. It's hard to do a lot of things at once where you're trying to get into that clubhouse and, and be a part of part of the group and a part of the fraternity when you're still trying to find your footing. So that's not and, a knock on Nate Lowe. He's no. still a young cat that's trying to find his way. Um, I, I, look, I would say if, I, I do. I would say not 2020, but 2021. Nate Lowe is the guy. I think he's I, a year away. I think good clubhouse guys are important, especially when you are a young team that has the time to reach the postseason and, and you have to play loose under pressure like they did this whole season. And you need guys like G-Man Choi. Yes. That's 100% sure. But I'm not saying that as a knock on G-Man Choi. I think he's so valuable that 29 other teams are going to be calling uh, you know, Tropicana Field and saying, hey, what can we do to make right. this happen? And I think if the offer is right, the, the race will always, always listen yes. to offers. And I say it would have to be a heck of an offer. I will say that. I, I would say we'd have to go beyond what his stats are. Oh, we've got a, a, an 800 OPS first baseman. This is what we're willing to give. No, think about what he does for lifting up the, the spirits of the entire team. And Not even the team. Is that. But, I mean, you saw game yeah. three and game four how the whole stadium of 32,000 plus mm-hmm. chanted his name. That was, a really, that was one of the coolest things I've experienced as a race fan. What happens to Aguilar? Is he with the team next season? I think he does get traded and probably for peanuts, but he gets traded. I agree. I, he either gets traded or DFA'd. And let's remember, he's also, you talk about the future of the first base position slash DH. Aguilar is actually older than G-Man Choi is by yes. a year. So uh, it is a very interesting discussion, and we will literally see what happens next year. Um, <laughs> and keep talking about it. There's plenty of offseason. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. And, uh, heck, they even tried Nate Lowe at, at third base. So maybe that could be an option. In a pitch, although I'm not really sure if I, I want to see him lumbering around at third base, to be honest. Hey, maybe that's his offseason, uh, you know, uh, work thing. Hey, start putting your third thing glove on. He drops 30 pounds and, and starts moving like Matt Chapman. Now, that would be a sight to see for sure. Let's All go. Right, that'll do it for today's show. Remember, you can find us on Twitter at Lockdown Rays. You can also email us at LockedOnRays at gmail.com. Again, I'm Kevin Weiss. I'm Ulysses Sembrano. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to this show on the new podcasting app Himalaya, as well as Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Rays.